about this. Today, it's our privilege to begin the baby bottle uh, fund drive for the Care Pregnancy Center here in Lenaway County. Uh, some of you may know that uh, Hope had the privilege of serving as uh, the, the director of what we called back in central New York the Pregnancy Care Center of Seneca County and also a couple other counties that were closely related. And every year, they would have a baby bottle drive, and it was the baby bottle drive that really, really helped and en enabled the Pregnancy Care Center back in central New York to continue to function. It was actually the, the biggest fundraiser that they had. They had banquets, they had other things that they did, uh, marches and walks for life, but the baby bottle drive was the biggest fundraiser. And you know, I think it's a great one because, uh, for lack of a better way of saying it, it doesn't hurt as much to give. Uh, because if at the end of the day, if you're a person that uses cash, not too many of us do anymore, but if you're a person at the end of the day is using cash, you can go home and put it, put it in your bottle. And if uh, you don't have cash, uh, I know that um, checks are very welcome and our bill. Bills are too. You can fold them up and they'll fit in there just fine. Uh, credit cards don't work. We tried that. But uh, I'm, I'm kidding about all that. But the, the point is, it's an opportunity to give. And it's an opportunity to support a very, very worthwhile ministry. We want to encourage you to do that. It starts today very appropriately on Mother's Day. And we should have our bottles back with the money in them uh, very appropriately by Father's Day. Okay? So uh, Kathy has uh, uh, very nicely prepared a basket for us out there with these bottles in it. So as you leave today, please be sure to take one. We have 25, so we have enough for per family and per unit. And we encourage you to take it and prayerfully fill it to support this ministry. Thank you. You also notice, uh, maybe you have already, but if you haven't noticed, uh, today's ministry memo is dedicated not just to moms but to ladies. Uh, we stepped away completely from transition team stuff today and just uh, focused on, on our moms and our ladies. And so this ministry memo is dedicated to you, ladies, and it is from... Uh, your brothers in Christ here at Seneca Community Church with love. Before we look into the Word of God, I just want to say this. Uh, for years, for a number of years, uh, probably I'm thinking uh, as many as 20 years back, uh, I have begun, I began to focus not just on moms, but on ladies on Mother's Day. Reason being, we had some women back in Seneca Community Church, uh, back in central New York, that were unable to have children. They were unable to be moms. And uh, I caught wind of the fact that I heard a couple talking, I'm not coming next week because it's too painful. Well, when I heard that comment, I thought, I need to change that. Uh, it should not be a day of pain for our sisters in Christ. So uh, going way back, 
again, those 20-some years, uh, I've begun not only to zero in on moms, but on to, uh, zero in on ladies, on women in our church. And I trust that today will be a blessing and encouragement to you. And guys, I guarantee you what's going to be shared will be very applicable to you as well. So let's have a word of prayer and get right into it. Father, we thank you for the privilege of being here this morning. And we ask that you would teach us from your word. We wait upon you with anticipation and with thanksgiving. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, this morning, uh, we're going to jump out of Philippians and go to Second Peter. I invite you to open your Bibles with me because we're going to follow right through this passage together this morning. Second Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 1. Peter is writing, and he says these words in verses 1 through 11. Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have received a faith to the same kind as ours, by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. For by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises, so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. Now for this very reason also, applying all diligence... In your faith supply moral excellence, and in your moral excellence knowledge, and in your knowledge self-control, and in your self-control perseverance, and in your perseverance godliness, and in your godliness brotherly kindness, and in your brotherly kindness love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these qualities is blind and short-sighted, having forgotten his purification from his former sins. Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you, for as long as you practice these things you will never stumble. For in this way the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be abundantly supplied to you. I know that uh, several months ago I brought out and held up before you a Spanish uh, bill. It was called uh, Mil Pesetas in Barcelona. And it was a Spanish bill that I received uh, one day from a bank. And when I went to spend it and, and use it to buy some groceries, um, the cashier told me it was counterfeit and useless. And so I walked out of the store, not able to buy any uh, food that day. And our middle daughter was with us, as, or with me, as I was walking down the street. And she knew what had taken place, that the bill was counterfeit, and so on and so forth. So she looked at me and she said, Dad, um, are you going to go somewhere else and use that, that meal to say us? Because not everybody's going to know it's counterfeit. And I said, no, Anna, I'm, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to take it home, and I'm going to keep it. And I have it right 
on my desk, inside a little uh, thing on my desk, and I carry it with me wherever I go to remind me of the importance of being truthful and honest. And mil pesetas back in the day, believe me, it was a lot of money for a missionary family uh, living in a foreign country. It was equivalent at the time to about $30. But we still have it. And every time I see it, it reminds me of the importance of being honest. And it was a life object lesson for our daughter as well. But you know, in all of that, the word that popped out for me in that whole scenario also was the, the importance of being vigilant. The, the importance of being diligent and alert. And, and we have those in our government here in the United States of America who, as you well know, they study the real thing in order to be able to see a counterfeit as soon as it pops up. Counterfeit experts do not study counterfeit bills. They study the real thing. And so as soon as something that is not real comes before them and passes before their eyes, they immediately notice it. The Spanish government had the same thing. Well, think of that in terms of our spiritual walk. We need to know the truth. We need to be alert and vigilant and diligent to the truth so that when anything that is not true comes before us, we're able to spot it, we're able to see it, and we're able to avoid it. Now, if anyone knew the importance of being alert and vigilant and diligent, it was the Apostle Peter. He had a tendency in his early years to feel overly confident when he was in a dangerous situation. He had a tendency to overlook danger and even the Lord's warnings to him. He rushed ahead when he should have waited. He slept when he should have prayed. He talked when he should have listened. He was a courageous but a very careless Christian. But he learned his lesson, and he wants us to learn it too. And so I believe here in these opening verses of second, his second letter, he gives us a description of the Christian life as it should be. And he warns us to be alert, to be vigilant, and to be diligent. And I believe that what he is going to share with us here is extremely appropriate for every woman here this morning, and yes, for every man as well. Notice in verse 5, Peter writes about the importance of applying all diligence. And then in verse 10, he writes, be all the more diligent. So Peter makes three very important declarations, I believe, in his description of what I am referring to this morning as the true Christian woman. First of all, the true Christian life begins with genuine faith. We read that in verses 1 through 4. Genuine faith speaks of true belief, of true trust. And first of all, genuine faith is in a person. And we know that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is and should be the object of our faith. He should be our Savior. He should be our Lord. And when we think of 
a Savior. A Savior is someone who provides salvation. And the word salvation was very familiar to the people in Peter's day. It was a very, very important word for them. Salvation meant deliverance. And so think of it in terms of the people would have looked at it in Peter's day. A physician was looked on as a Savior because he could be used to deliver the body from pain and limitations. A victorious general was looked on as a savior because as a conqueror, he could deliver the people from death or, or, and defeat. And a wise official was looked on as a savior because he could deliver the nation from confusion. So we, when we think of Jesus as a savior... He, first of all, is our great physician. And as the great physician, he delivers the heart and heals the heart from the sickness of sin. As our victorious conqueror, he defeated sin and death and eternal hell. And he leads us in triumph and victory. He is our King of kings and our Lord of lords. In order to be our Savior, Jesus Christ had to give his life on the cross of Calvary. But not was not enough. He also had to rise from the dead. And he did just that. That's why just recently we celebrated Easter and Good Friday. Jesus Christ, as our Savior, came, gave his life, and then rose from the dead. And by so doing, he's able to be our Savior. And genuine faith is in a person, the person of Jesus Christ. Genuine faith involves God's power. And when we think of, of God's power, how important it is for us to understand that when a person comes to faith and is saved, he is receiving all of the effects of the power of God. God's matchless power produces life and godliness. And just as a, a baby has a a definitive and a definite genetic structure. So the child of God has a specific genetic structure, which includes holiness and godliness, faithfulness, righteousness, the things we sang about this morning. These are not just things that we are to desire. These are things that are true of us as we are under the control of the Holy Spirit of God. We will be characterized by holiness and godliness and faithfulness and righteousness. That is our genetic structure as children of God. And the Bible tells us that one day we'll be like our Savior. But you know, while we're here on planet Earth, we should be becoming more and more like him all the time. And, I mean, a leap is going to be abysmal to begin with. But we should be moving every day more and more and more to being like Jesus Christ. And that is why we need God's power, and that is why we have it. Genuine faith also involves God's promises, according to verse 4. God has not only given us all that we need for life and godliness, but he has also given us his word. And his word enables us to develop this life of godliness. And we have these precious promises that are ours, just to claim. And these precious promises are magnificent, Peter says. 
And they are magnificent, leading to a magnificent life. I've shared with you about Hope's mom. And she, she is one of the ladies uh, for whom I have a, a tremendous amount of respect. Now, now one, one reason I really love her is because she's told me I'm her favorite son-in-law. I am. I'm her favorite son-in-law. I'm her only son-in-law, but I'm her favorite. But you know, uh, what, what, a, what a godly woman. And, and I've, I've shared with you uh, on probably more than one occasion how uh, when Hope was eight years old, uh, her mom lost her dad, uh, mom's dad, and mom's husband, Hope's father, died the very same day. And the funeral home in uh, central New York uh, had a main door, walked in the main door, and went to two separate rooms. On one side was her dad. On the other side was her husband. And she wasn't even able to get to, back in New York, we call them calling hours. I believe here you call them visitation. Uh, she was not even able to get to visitation because of the, of the weather. Can you believe we had a lot of snow? It was in March. And it was impossible for her to get there. And then the funerals were held sub- subsequently one day and then the other the next. But through that whole time, with four little children, Hope was the next oldest, the, almost the oldest, but through, with four little children, one uh, nine and one, one and a half, and in between there, those years, she raised four children on her own, working full time, and those kids, when there was youth program at church, those kids were there. When there was anything going on to, in the ministry of the local church, she was there. She led a ministry called Jet Cadets, which was like a Juana, sort of. And, and just a very godly woman. She had every reason, humanly speaking, not to go on. But she did. Because she rested in the person of Christ, she rested in his power, and she rested in his promises. And uh, two weeks from today, following morning worship, we're heading back to be with her the next day with Hope's brothers and some of our kids to celebrate her 90th birthday. And she's still walking with God. She's on Facebook. <laughs> and uh, she, she just shares the blessings of God. And what a godly woman she really is. And you know, uh, as I mention her and talk about her, what I want to leave with you and encourage you with as part of this morning's message is that what she is, you are able to be. Some of you may already be there. But you have that potential because of Jesus Christ and because of his power and because of his promises. We have that potential. Secondly, Genuine faith results in authentic spiritual growth which produces godly qualities. Where there is life, 
there must be growth. What a, what a travesty, and I've seen this with my own eyes, and perhaps you have to varying degrees. When you meet a, a, a child who is born, seems perfectly normal, so on and so forth, but where that child does not grow physically or mentally. And that child could, could be as, as old as 20, 22, 25. I remember seeing a, a body uh, of, of a 38-year-old boy. His body was, was no longer than three feet, and his brain was, was totally undeveloped. Dad, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But you know, that, 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 that's a very, very sad thing to see. Spiritually speaking, it's just as sad. Because we have all the potential because of the person of Christ, the, pro- the, the power of God, and the promises of God, we have all the potential to be what God wants us to be. I'm not talking perfection. I believe the Bible's pretty clear about the fact that we will never be perfect here on planet Earth. We'll always battle with sin. But we should be coming more and more like Jesus Christ every day. And as we do, there will be qualities that will be exhibited in our lives. And Peter talks about them here. Notice the first one. Authentic spiritual growth produces godly qualities. The first one being, verse 5, moral excellence. This refers to the God-given ability to perform heroic deeds, to stand out as excellent. And you know, sometimes when, when I think of, of moms and, and of our godly women, I think of somebody in a cape, man, with a, with a big GL, godly woman. Man, you can leap tall buildings in a single bound. You can do heroic deeds like... Uh, helping little kids uh, wound their he- uh, heal their wounds and not wound their heal <laughs> heal their wounds and and <laughs> and and to see them uh, grow and become men and women of God, your influence is is wonderful, and moral excellence speaks of moral energy and a power that performs these deeds of excellence. Yes, don't. Let anyone ever, ever, ever downplay your being a mom. Real women, and, and you know I don't have issues with this, so please hear me out in the context. Real women work. Real women are professionals. Real women this and that and the other. And, and I have nothing against women working. Hope has worked most of her life. Uh, sometimes getting paid for it, sometimes not. Most of the time not. But the point is this. Your first calling is to be a godly wife and a godly mom. And that is a very, very high calling. Very high. Next, godly quality, verse 5, is knowledge. Knowledge refers to possessing understanding, insight, and truth correctly comprehended and applied as a result of diligent study and pursuit of the Word of God. Knowledge is one of the most wonderful qualities a woman of God or any person 
can possess. To have an understanding, insight, and truth comprehended and applied as a result of study of the Word of God. Next is self-control. Verse 6. This was a term used of athletes who were self-restrained and self-disciplined. In the realm of faith, self-control speaks of a Christian who allows the Holy Spirit of God to control the flesh, the passions, the bodily desires, rather than being controlled by them. And uh, unfortunately, while there are a number of athletes who are worthy of, of emulation, but you know, more and more, our athletes are not self-controlled. They're not self-restrained. Their lives are, are mixed up with drugs to enable them, they believe, to perform better. And their lifestyle is one many times of, of immorality. And I was amazed at uh, some of the NFL draft that went on this past week and, and how some of these men are very godly and take a stand for Christ. But they're fewer and far they're in between than those who are on drugs, having illicit sex, and so on and so forth. And that is, Paul or Peter could, could not connect with that today. He's speaking here about an athlete who is restrained, who is self-controlled, who is controlled by the Holy Spirit of God, and thereby has his passions and bodily desires and so on and so forth under control rather than being controlled by them. And as a godly woman, you have that potential to be morally excellent, to be knowledgeable, to be self-controlled. And then verse 6, perseverance. This refers to patience or endurance in doing what is right and never giving in to temptation or trial. It is that spiritual staying power that would rather die then give in to sin. That's pretty long. That's, that's a pretty high calling, isn't it? That perseverance that continues, it is a virtue that can endure, not simply with resignation, but with a vibrant hope. And I can remember when I, we had three little, little ankle biters right in a row and two of them in, in diapers for a number of years. And I know the work it took. Uh, it was in a culture where there were no disposable diapers. Uh, everything had to be washed and then draped over whatever form of heat we might have. And, and I think back of those times, and I remember traveling uh, three months at a time when we came back uh, during our furlough ministry, Three months at a time, 18,000 miles with three little kids. And I remember those days. And I remember how hard Hope worked. And, and one of the biggest challenges, poor Hope, whenever we stopped at a, at a rest stop to go to the bathroom, the girls all had to go with her because they were girls. And, you know, I mean, it, it just didn't stop. It, it was it was constant, and and so I I understand more from observation than than being there, 
But uh, perseverance is, is needed. So important for you ladies in your calling, your high calling with God. The next quality Peter talks about here, verse 6, is godliness. To be godly is to live reverently, loyally, and obediently toward God. And every child of God has every spiritual resource available to manifest and sustain a godly lifestyle in thought, word, and action. The next quality Peter talks about in verse 7 is brotherly. I've changed it to sisterly kindness. And it refers to affection, including mutual sacrifice for one another. You ladies are a whole lot better than that than we men are. You, you understand sacrifice because you live it. You live it. Being a man, you understand what sacrifice is. Again, we, we men, we're a little slower in some of this. And then the, the other quality that Peter talks about here in verse 7 is love. This is a kind of love that is self-giving, that is more concerned with giving than receiving. And this is what is often referred to as agape love. And so there are godly qualities here, moral excellence, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. And these are genuine results of authentic spiritual growth and faith. I was reading a number of years ago, and I went on a website to find it, uh, preparing for this message. It was entitled, Reasons to Quit Finishing the Race. True story. The Los Angeles Marathon had been over for a week, but there was still one runner who had not yet crossed the finish line. His name's Bob Wheeland. He finally crossed the finish line almost a week after the marathon had ended, even though he has no legs. He completed the marathon on his hands and his arms the entire race. And he crossed the finish line almost a week later after everyone else had crossed. You know, with, with so many reasons to quit, he didn't. And, and I, I even have difficulty picturing how he does this. But on his arms and hands, he completed the marathon. Every reason to quit, but did not. And he's actually traversed the whole United States. I'm not sure how long it took him. But he traversed from east, either east to west or west to east, the entire United States, having lost his legs in Vietnam and doing it on his arms and hands. And you know, sometimes we can look at our lives, right, ladies, and think, man, I have every reason to quit here. But you know, the Lord is here with us. And he says in Galatians 6, 9, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. And it's at that point when maybe we feel like I'm done. I cannot take another step. You know, it might be right then 
that God is ready to break through. And he says, do not be weary in doing good. For in due time you will reap if you do not grow weary, if you don't give up. I'm sure everyone in this room has at one point or another thought about giving up to varying degrees. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to encourage you. Don't give up. The Lord is providing every resource to enable us to keep going. And I don't know your situations, but one thing I can tell you, God does. And he's there with you. And with every reason to quit, he's saying, don't quit. I'm here. Rest in the person of my, of my son and your savior. Rest in my power. Rest in my promises. And then genuine faith results in authentic spiritual growth, which produces godly characteristics. Now, how can we as Christians be certain that we are growing spiritually? Peter sets forth for us three things, and I'm just going to mention them briefly. In verses 8 through 11, he talks about fruitfulness. Christian character is an end in itself, but it is also a means to an end. The more we become like Christ, the more his Holy Spirit can work in our lives and enable us to witness and serve. We may not have dramatic talents and special abilities and exciting personalities, but if we are becoming more and more and more like our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ, we will be fruitful. In other words, the more we are faithful, the more we will be fruitful. And that is a godly characteristic as a result of spiritual growth. Verse 9 speaks about vision. Nutritionists tell us that diet affects vision, and we know that. And what is true in the physical realm is certainly true in the spiritual realm. Before coming to Christ, we're blinded. The, the God of this world has blinded our eyes. But when we come to faith in Christ, we're rescued from spiritual darkness, and we're rescued from spiritual blindness, and we have the ability to see and to have vision for the glory of God. The sad truth, however, is that many Christians who have been rescued from spiritual darkness and spiritual blindness are still characterized by a degree of spiritual blindness and spiritual short-sightedness. And Paul, or Peter tells us why in verse 8. He says, having forgotten his purification from his former sins. You know, when we cease to remember what God has done for us, it will be very easy for us to lose vision of what God wants us to be and what God wants us to do. We should never, ever, ever, ever forget the wonder of our salvation. Just stop and think for a moment. And don't do this out loud or anything, but just think in your mind and your heart right now the day you came to Christ. Okay? Everybody thinking about that? I can remember it as though I were nine years old. I remember that day. I remember where I was. I remember the surroundings. I remember I was in a coat because 
The building we were in was called the Gristmill Playhouse, and the heat was broken. And a man by the name of Jack Wurtson was preaching the gospel. And there was a trio, the White Sisters, were singing. And, and here I was in third grade, nine years old, fourth grade, nine years old, and I heard the message, and I knew I needed Christ. And you know, I recognized that night that I was a sinner. That man, I was separated from God because of my sin. And one thing I've never wanted to happen in the 30 years since that day is, that went right over you, didn't it? But one thing I've never wanted to forget is what that meant for me that day. How God loved me so much that he saved me. And I knew I was a wretched sinner and I was only nine years old. But I never wanted to forget the wonder of my salvation. And when we grow accustomed to the fact, oh yeah, I'm a Christian. Oh yeah, I know Jesus. Oh yeah, I'm going to heaven. When we lose the wonder of our salvation, it's when we lose vision. Vision for what God wants us to be and what he wants us to do. And lastly, security. Peter talks here about having the godly characteristic of, of, of security. And how can we have security? Now, there's a, there's a difference between security and assurance. And it's probably important for us to understand that. But security, knowing that we are, belong to God and that we belong to him forever, security is based on what God says in his word. His truth. That once we come to know him, we're his forever. No one can separate us from his hand. And, and what a beautiful truth that is. That's security. But assurance comes to our hearts when we know that we are living in accordance with the word of God. And if I'm not living in accordance with the word of God, I may be secure in Christ, but I may not have a whole lot of assurance about it. Does that make sense? Because I know that the Holy Spirit of God is grieved. He's quenched. I'm not living in the Spirit. I'm not walking in the Spirit. I'm not controlled by the Spirit. I'm disobeying God. And even though I'm secure in Him, I have no assurance because my life is not giving testimony to the fact that I am a child of God because of obedience in my life. And so... There are some beautiful truths here, and ladies, uh, I want you to understand that for you, they are for you this morning, and guys, they're also for us. I'd like to conclude with this illustration. <clears throat> In 1904, William Borden was heir to the Borden Dairy Estate. He graduated from a Chicago high school, a millionaire. His, his parents gave him uh, a trip around the world. He went through Asia, Middle East, Europe, and as he traveled around the world, God gave him a burden for the world. When he wrote home to his parents, he said, I'm going to dedicate my life to being a missionary. And having written home and made, having made this decision, he wrote in the back of his Bible two words, no reserves, no reserves. 
He turned down high-paying jobs after graduating from Yale University. And after that, he wrote two more words in the back of his Bible. No retreats. Completing studies in seminary, Borden sailed to China to work with Muslims. He stopped first in Egypt for some preparations. While he was there, he developed cerebral meningitis, and within a month, he was dead. Before he died, he had written in the back of his Bible, no regrets. No reserves, no retreats, no regrets. How can we be able to say that? It's all right here. Peter spells it out for us. He tells us right here what the godly Christian life is and how we can achieve it. He tells us what the qualities of a godly Christian life are and how we can possess them. And he tells us what the godly characteristics of a, a life of faith are and how we can possess them. And when we get to the end of our lives, we can say with Borden and with others who have gone before us, no reserves, no retreats, no regrets, because we have submitted to the ministry of the Holy Spirit of God in our lives. Ladies, we love you, we value you, we respect you, and wherever you are in, maybe, maybe you haven't even begun a walk with Christ. If you haven't, man, we would urge you, place your faith in the person of Christ. All his power is available. You can rest in his promises and be characterized by the qualities and characteristics that will bring glory and honor to him, and you will end well. You will finish well. And for those of you who have begun your walk, not really sure where you are in your walk, maybe you're discouraged today. Maybe you're ready to throw it in for whatever reason. Just remember, the Lord is with you, and he's saying, I'm here for you. Rest in my person, rest in my power, rest in my promises. You can and will be characterized by these beautiful qualities and characteristics, and you will finish well. Don't give up. Rest in me. And he'll carry you across that finish line and give you the strength to finish well. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for what we've considered from your word, and we especially today thank you for each mom and each lady in our church family. Richly bless them today, we pray, and in the days ahead. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to uh, receive some praises and prayer requests at this time. I'd like to begin... Um, we shared some of this in Sunday school with our group. 